Praise Jesus. Thank you, Kent and family. Thank you so much. Beautiful. At this time, we're going to ask Pastor Steve to come up. As an educator myself, I know the importance of this week coming up, and we're going to pray for our kids, our educational staff. Pastor Steve, thank you for doing this. You can just stay up there, too. Gus, Gus, would you come up? Gus, is going to, Gus taught many years, I think almost 20 years, in the public school. I'm just um, thinking, let's, let's stand up again, and then students around you, you know, you see the students, but also teachers, parent-teachers that are here, and if, maybe you could raise your hand if you're in one of those two so people know and they can just lay a hand on you. We're going to pray. Oh, what a special presence here this morning of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. Oh, hallelujah. And Lord, we're thanking you that your presence is going to just be upon all the teachers and students, parent-teachers, all those that are involved in schools. We think of homeschoolers as well, Christian schools, all the different schools, Lord. Hallelujah. Gus. Hallelujah. Lord, we just come before you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just lift up all the teachers, everybody that works in the school district. We lift up the kids. We lift up the parents, the teachers, the administrators. And we cover them all with the precious blood of Jesus. We bind every demonic attack that would come against them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you that they walk in your strength, in your wisdom. They walk in your love. And we just surround them right now with our prayers, with that supernatural protection that only God can give. We thank you that the angel of the Lord encamps about those who love him. We thank you, Lord, that they are protected from demonic spirits in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you that our kids are protected, that our kids walk in love, that they are a light in the darkness that they have the strength, the spiritual strength to stand against the darkness of this world. So we just cover them with your precious blood. We cover them with our prayers. Father, we just thank you that they are a light in the midst of the darkness of this world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. 
Let's uh, we'll release the kids to their classes and let's greet each other in the Lord. Carson, well, I'm just going to jump into announcements first this morning, bud. We're going to welcome you back <laughs> into worship, into this morning, talk about our announcements we have this morning, and get started. I hope you're having a fantastic Labor Day, week, Labor Day weekend. Lots of stories of people getting out on the lake. Lots of stories of people getting outside. Family and I, the boys and my wife, we went to uh, Brainerd yesterday to the raceway. Watched some of the races down there yesterday. It was a good day to be outside. I just wanted to celebrate and tell you a little bit more about the announcements we have this morning. Um, many of us get those emails. If you don't, I'm going to read through a few of those things, um, and then another one real quickly. Just a reminder that uh, during the service uh, this week, um, we have nursery available, uh, preschool through fourth grade, um, also for Children's Church this morning. Uh, you saw the kids take off for that. Um, no Sunday classes for five through seventh graders until September 24th. Okay, so five through seven grades, no, no uh, Sunday classes until then. But five through seven grades are, in, are free to join the elementary or stay in the service with the adults. We are looking for more nursery helpers. So please, if you are interested in helping out with nursery, uh, let us know. Let Bobby know, Bobby Joe know. Her number is, it should be up there, 218-368-3514. Uh, we need some helpers. And I'll give a little bit of a plug for Zach, too, this morning. If you saw Zach this morning trying to recruit, he's one of the best recruiters I've ever seen in my life. It's the reason I'm right here, actually. I didn't even, I didn't ask for this. He, just, he threw me up here one morning, and I'm up here. I love it, by the way. I love it. Uh, Wednesdays, don't forget Touchpoint with Pastor Steve and Joyce. Look at uh, what's called the On Eagle's Wings. That's the title. 9 a.m. online. And uh, check out our website for more details. We have no 6 p.m. Acti activities until October 4th. Gets us time to settle into school and get ready. Uh, but again, not until October 4th. We are looking for someone to help out with the elementary kids on Wednesday nights. So if you're interested, please contact Kathy Cootley at 218-586-2365. Um, upcoming events, we have we have something from, let's see, something from Caitlin Spicala. We have, uh, let's see, a late baby shower and meet baby, and a meet the baby on, well, late baby meaning baby's here now obviously, on Sunday, September 17th at 3 p.m. Everybody's welcome at the Shevlin Park if anyone wants to come. Um, September 21st, 28th, and October 5th and 12th, we have the Forge Ministry School class also, How to Be a Neighbor, Engaging with Native American People Around Us. This class will be held or led by four different teachers with Paul Straubel, the director of Oak Hills Center for Indian Ministries team in the Bemidji area, as the main lead, this class is open to anyone who would like to attend online. It will be four Thursday nights starting at 7 p.m. on Microsoft Teams. So if you need help with that, let us know. Uh, the class is four weeks long um, and only $40. For more information, contact Country Faith and their number is 218-776-3367. Um, just a couple, uh, one other announcement, a quick plug for the Fellows Family Museum of Ten Strike. Saturday, September 9th. 2023 from 10 to 4 o'clock, two blocks just east of here. Check it out. Follow the signs. There's something for everyone. There's going to be an event there, so make sure you check that out if you'd like to be part of that. Thank you. Those are a lot of announcements. Nice job, Carson. Excellent job. Um, I have to celebrate something really quickly, and it kind of goes along with uh, the Native American Studies. Also, talking about what God's doing in schools. Um, 
As some of you might know, I'm an elementary principal in Cass Lake. Um, I'm the elementary principal at Cass Lake, being an elementary there. And, uh, and, it's been, and God's been doing amazing things in Cass Lake and for, the, for the people of Leech Lake. And up here, we hear a lot about movement that's happened in Red Lake a lot of times. We don't necessarily always hear what's going on in Leech. And we have amazing, godly people working with this institution at Cassick Bina. And we love the people that work for us and work with us. Last week, um, God held it on my heart ever since Mark Little Elk. Do you remember Pastor Mark Little Elk that was here um, several weeks ago? Uh, God led it on my heart to ask him to come and do a keynote for us. So he did the keynote on Monday, on Tuesday. No, it was Monday of last week. Um, and he got a chance to tell his testimony. Now, in the most pastoral way possible and as secular as he possibly could make it, but he couldn't leave God out of that. You can't. You can't leave God out of his story. So he shared his testimony, and it was just amazing. It was short, 45 minutes or so, but people were glued on every word he had to say. And he was, he was in his regalia. He was in everything that he wanted to present culturally, but he was also talking specifically to, the, to my staff, and, and to the staff that I get a chance to serve every day. So if you can continue to pray for them and pray for the children that we get to serve every day, um, that would be very, very helpful. And as Gus said, the protection, the guidance, the, uh, the understanding that we are protected, that is uh, imperative. I really appreciate that. But in return, uh, Pastor Mark asked me to help lead and do lead worship uh, at the end of September, one Sunday. So he's invited me down there to lead worship down there. I'm just excited to do that at uh, the CMA church there. So uh, just a quick message for you this morning, and I wanted to share this with you as we get into offering. Um, if you could turn with me, I think the scripture might be up there. But 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. And this uh, actually kind of, uh, Kent, you really got me going on, on the crutch piece, right? And how, yes, with no greater foothold do you have in Jesus Christ, right? And the grace that he has, because without him, I am not able to stand. Right? I cannot stand without him. So Paul just gets done talking to the church of Corinth, and he gets talking to them about what worship should look like. He talks about what the role of tongues, the role of prophecy, what each person's role is in the church, and he goes on to this next message. And I would argue to say that this is probably one of the most important parts of the Bible that sums up the gospel. You know, you got the actual gospel. Of course, that's the most important, right? But Paul sums it all up here. He talks about his wretchedness. He talks about where he's out now. He talks about the grace of Jesus Christ and God and what he's done. But read with me, if you could, verse 1 of chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, preached past tense, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. He's kind of talking about hypocrisy, right? Those people that show up don't really believe in what they're listening to. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Cephas, Cephas and then the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them who are still living today, though some have fallen asleep. I was bouncing that little piece off of Andrew a little bit ago, and we're still processing that a little bit. Think about that, what that might mean, and interpret that. I'm not going to give you any necessarily firm advice on what falling asleep might mean, 
But at the same time, he's talking to his church of Corinth, and he's talking about these guys, these, these people that might be hypocrites and going, okay, at one time you might have, but are you really showing your face here? So that might be something, but I encourage you to dive in the text on that. Then he appears to James, then to all apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Hmm. That's interesting, a little foreshadowing there. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Remember, he was a zealous Pharisee. He was one that was persecuting Christians for what they believed. He didn't think it was right, and he changed his heart. He's recognized the humility that he's in right now. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. He's using himself as an example here. He's using himself as Paul as an example, going, I'm a wretched human being. Nothing I can do will get me to him. He's given it to me all. He's given everything that I need. He's giving me the grace. And I'm, I right now, you can tell right now, he's feeling like he's still got something to pay back. He doesn't have to. He knows that. But he also knows his previous life. He knows his previous life of which he had to repent and turn away from. And he, he feels like he's got to make up for amends for that. I could feel that. You could feel the humanness of Paul through this text. But you also get the godliness of Paul too. And they understand that he knows that he is covered by the grace of God. And he wants the church of Corinth, he wants you and I to act with grace and humility. And one act of grace that we have is sharing our gifts and sharing the gifts of whatever we might have, whether that be financially or whether that might be the things that you get to see on, on the, the stage here in your gifts of singing, the gifts of servitude. We've talked about that a lot. But I really encourage you to dive into Corinthians and find out what more Paul, God, talks to us through Paul about what the church is supposed to look like, about what the church is supposed to do, that we don't have to do anything to get to him other than trust in him, know that he is, is who he is. He articulates exactly what Jesus did and what his purpose was right here. But also, we have this opportunity to share our gifts. So this morning, would you bow your heads with me, and we're going to pray over the gifts that we have, that you all have, and that we are sharing them with grace and humility. Father God, we thank you once again to bringing us here this morning. Most of all, we thank you for your grace. But because of that, Father, without the grace, without your support, we cannot stand. You are our crutch, as Ken said, Father. But what greater stronghold is there in this world than the crutch of Jesus Christ? That's not a, that's not a put down. That is not an insult. There is no greater foothold. Father, we pray over the congregation this morning that we help each other understand that the gifts that we have are from you. They are sacred. And that we do have an obligation to share those gifts, Father. We pray that the results of these gifts are fully, 100% about you. And that it is made in your way a pathway to get to you, Father, for all people. We pray for this morning's offering and that that offering can be used to further your way in your gospel, Father. 
in your amazing, wonderful name. Amen. We do have the offertory boxes if you feel free to serve or, or give back there. Uh, Pastor Steve, did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Um, Kenton Chantel, where are Kenton Chantel? Oh, right here. <laughs> you know, in the body of Christ, we get to know other brothers and sisters of ours, and relationships are so important. And uh, I'm just so thankful for the relationship that we have with the Dudleys, Kenton Chantel, and their family, you know, their whole family. We've known a lot of their family over the years, you know, some are here, some are waiting for us right now. But uh, we've been together through some really good ups and some really hard downs, you know, both each of us, and and I'm speaking personally too, but, you know, as a congregation, as brothers and sisters, but I'm just so thankful for you, and I'm so thankful for the anointing that I'm seeing that's resting upon you in this new season of your lives, and it is there. Make no mistake about it, it's there. We just love you so much, and trying to make a cry. God, we just thank you for that anointing that's on these two and their family and for the pathway that you have before them. Lord, we thank you that part of our, um, the church here too, the church family, some of us go with them into places that you have prepared Lord, we thank you for the lives. We see them as, then as an extension, just a part. And we, in a sense, as a covering then. And we aren't going to let go of that prayer. We're going to keep on praying for each other in the name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. So are you going to go up and share with us? Uh, thank you, Pastor Steve. Love you. Good morning, everybody. We do love coming back home, senior. And it's good to see Dan and Paula back in their chairs. They sat in the back last time, and I didn't even know they were here. So, but uh, seriously, we uh, we love you guys so much, and you just feel like you're. I don't know, just embraced, just embraced when we come in. And so we thank you so much. We will be back on Christmas Eve morning on December 24th to, uh, we'll probably sing Jingle Bells or something to you that day. But, well, I have a four-hour message, but I'm going to shorten it down to three and a half, okay? So I promise to have you out of here by somewhere around whenever. Just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. But once again, um, I, I just want to talk a little bit. Um, Josh mentioned about coming to Christ. We get to him, then what? You know, and we don't want to get stuck. 
How many of you like getting stuck in your car in the mud? It's not really a good thing, is it? But I think spiritually we often get stuck. We find ourselves in a place where we feel like we're just kind of, you know, the tires are spinning, the mud is flying, and we're just kind of sitting there. And even as believers, we can find ourselves there. And I just want to share something today that's always been an encouragement to me. And that's what I want it to be. I want this to be an encouraging word today, okay? I told Dan earlier, I said, I hope people don't feel like I come and get after them all the time because that's not my heart. My heart is to encourage you and lift you up and and motivate you. And sometimes I guess that includes a, a kick in the booty a little bit, right? So I know I need it. I hope you do as well. Lord, we just pray, pray over your word. And Lord, may our ears be open to hear and our hearts be open to receive. And may we not just be hearers of the word, but doers only. I titled the message today, The Reward of the Faithful. The Reward of the Faithful. What is our reward for being faithful to God? And I want to go to a familiar scripture from Matthew chapter 25. And if you'd bring that up, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. This is from the New Living Translation. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him... Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. And I'm going to keep going right through 46. So, and all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For he says, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. He said, I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, isn't it interesting? They didn't even really realize they were doing it. They really weren't even conscious. It was just such a natural reaction to knowing their Savior. I wanted to really point that out today. The natural reaction to knowing Jesus is not sitting on our butt in church. Sometimes we sit in the same place so long we have butt ruts in our pew, right? Seriously. And we sit in the same place, and if you don't, you get scolded. But this, it's almost like an implied truth. I don't want to add anything into the word, but it's almost like if you know me, this is the result. Okay? Hold on to that as we read this. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you and, or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. See that? I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I'm not even going to read the the rest of it. You know the rest of that chapter. He says to those that were on the left hand, he said, depart from me, you wicked, 
For I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was a stranger, I was in prison, I was sick in the hospital, and you didn't do it. And then they said, when didn't we do it? He said, when you didn't do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Now, I've got a lot of things I want to say about this. I want you to, to realize one thing. I've been harping on churches for the last few years because this has become our theology. I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't chew, and I don't date women who do. Okay? Now, we might laugh about that, but a lot of church people are banking on the things we don't do. I don't gossip. I don't lie. I don't steal. I haven't killed anybody that I'm aware of. You know, so we're, we're banking a lot on the things we don't do. And it not it interesting when Jesus judged the entire nations, he never mentioned one of those things. He doesn't care necessarily. Hear what I'm saying now. Those might be all fine things to not do. But that doesn't put us in the will of God because we don't drink, smoke, chew, or date women who do. That does not put us in God's will. Those might be fine things, but we might end up on the wrong hand thinking that because of our don'ts that that's good enough for God. But I want to get back to that part where I said, I think it's an implied truth that if you know him, you do it. How many of you grew up on a farm? Anybody? How many of you helped on the farm? Just keep your hands up, right? It was an implied truth. You live here, you're going to work with cattle. You know what it's like to milk a cow, right? Probably have nightmares to this very day about milking cows. But it's an implied truth. You're part of the family. You were part of the Pomp family. They had a dairy. It's what you do. Even the girls, I bet, worked on the farm. But there's a truth there that if we know Christ, we are about him and about his heart and about his business. I've got a short little video I want you to watch. I shared this from stage at Thrive Fest in 2019 out in Fargo. And I talked about these six things that Jesus judged the nations on. Feeding the hungry. Give them a drink. Give them clothes. You know, taking in the stranger. Going to the prisons. Going to the hospitals. Going to the nursing homes. They're not always, well, let me put it this way. They are never clean things to do. They're messy. Every one of those things is going to be a little bit messy because people who need a drink are going to probably be messy. If they need food, they might be messy. If they need clothes, they definitely got an issue going on, right? Prisons, nursing homes, orphans. It's a mess, guys. And too often the church is too clean and neat. We have our tar driveway. We ride on that to our tar uh, parking lots at home. We pull into our garage, which is filled with cement. We have used to be wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. Remember that was the big thing in the 70s? 
Now we have hardwood floors. And we keep it clean. Sunday school's clean. Church is clean. Wednesday night's clean. We don't like messes. We like to come and sing a little and worship a little, and that's pretty much it. But when we're doing the work of God, it's a mess. I got done sharing this on the stage at Thrive Fest, and David Zach, Zach is how you pronounce his last name, he's the lead singer of the group Remedy Drive. Anybody know Remedy Drive? You're a rocker if you do. When David plays, I usually go back to the camper, and he knows that. He loves me in Chantel. But we go back to the camper when he's on stage. But I tell you what, I love him. He came up to me, and he's, he was just excited. He grabbed me and took me for 20, 25 minutes, and he just talked to me. He said, you know what? I get together with my family, my kids, and his wife. He said, we sit down, and we write a list, and how can we do something in every one of these six points? He said, we review it. We do it all the time. And it was, was it about that time, about four or five years ago, he got involved with Exodus Way? Exodus Road, excuse me. Longer than that, he had been part of it. Exodus Road goes into other countries and they rescue girls that are in sex trafficking. And, and the United States as well, yeah. So it's here, it's other countries, but David has to become a John. He is an asset. They literally call him, he is an asset. His life is on the line, If especially, well, not only in other countries. We always think, my mind is, well, Americans are so nice. No, they'll kill him too. Any of the pimps that own these girls and are trafficking them will kill him instantly if they think he is trying to finagle them in any way. But David has to go in. He has to go in. He has to smoke. He's got to go into the clubs. He has to go into the joints and convince these guys that he is a John. And when he gets the girl and pays cash for that one-time trick, they rescue them and steal them, and they're gone. He'll tell you that they have rescued 2,200 girls in the last 10 years. Come on. 2,000. 200 girls rescued out of sex trafficking. They have made 1,200 arrests, not them, but the police through them, of the, the traffickers. Isn't that beautiful? And then Doug and Rod and I get to go into the prisons and lead those guys to Jesus. Come on. Because they need a savior. Some people won't go to prison because they're filthy, stench-filled men that have committed crimes that you might not even want to think about. But they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Would you play that clip, please? We've been combating human trafficking with our music and with our lives for a decade now. We'd love for you to join us and commission us to continue doing this work by pre-ordering our new album. In these last 10 years, we've contributed to the freedom of over 2,200 survivors of trafficking, and we've helped arrest over 1,200 traffickers through our partnership with a counter-trafficking organization called The Exodus Road. And now we're recording a new album and a docu-series to celebrate the work of ordinary human beings that we've met on the front lines of the fight against human trafficking. We would love your help in both funding this work and spreading the word about our music and what we're doing. There is something innate in all of us that longs to participate in the freedom of another human being. 
It's woven into the very fabric of our DNA, and it burns like fire in a deep chamber of our hearts. Our melodies are inspired by that fire. Our music is informed by the stories of real teenage girls being trafficked that I've met while doing undercover work with the Exodus Road. I spend time overseas gaining trust of traffickers that are selling teenage girls by the hour. I usually ask a girl in this scenario about her dreams. What would you want to do if you didn't have to do this work? And there's this sparkle of hope and defiance in her eyes. That's what inspires me. That's where the melody is for me. Her resilience of spirit, her defiance in the midst of captivity, there's something contagious about it. And I want something more for her than this life. All of our t-shirts are made by survivors of trafficking to help fund the organizations that we're partnered with that are working in aftercare. They make kimonos and headbands and jewelry and elephant pants and elephants. These are great gifts and constant reminders of hope. This is how we contribute to those who are providing trauma care, transitional employment, and empowerment to rebuild a shattered life. We want your help in amplifying our melodies. By pre-ordering our album, you'll multiply our efforts in recruiting people to the front lines of the counter-human trafficking movement. You'll be helping us raise awareness while nudging our listeners towards action. You'll be sending me to the front lines in continued sting operations. And you'll be helping us direct funds towards aftercare efforts. Along with pre-ordering the album, you can also get some elephant pants or a purse or even book us for a concert. Please consider joining us and together we can tear a little corner off the darkness. We've been combating human trafficking with our music and with our lives for a decade now. We'd love for you to join us and commission us to continue. All right. See, I tried to jump off the piano one time when I was on stage. <laughs> Sprained both ankles, just laid it. No. I am different. Do you remember the last time I was here? I talked about walking in truth, fullness of truth, and yet the fullness of God's love towards those that are different than we are. There was a time when I thought somebody like David Zock was a goofball, and he was crazy, and he was out of the will of God because he, I mean, he's a metalhead, you know, and, and that's okay. There's kids, there's, there's adults that love that kind of music, and they listen to it, and they, but there was a time, boy, I don't know if that's godly music, blah, blah, blah. You know what? He's doing something, amen? This man is radical, and you know what? I was thinking Pastor Steve was praying over us. This week, I thought of our family. People will come up to Chantel and I and go, you guys are so amazing with what you do. And, blah, blah. and they go on and I finally just go, stop. We are not. We are not. We have just said yes. Take this old country boy. I'm a little, I, the last time we went into the prisons, the first time, I should say, we went out to Bismarck, I'm thinking, here I am driving to a maximum security prison where there's murderers, rapists, child abusers, drug abusers, drug, on and on and on. And I said, I'm, we're three little skinny white boys from northern Minnesota who probably have not even had a speeding ticket, you know? I thought, I hope I can run faster than Rod, because otherwise they're going to get me. I'll just let them have Rod, you know? But I doubt if I can. But you know, all that God would say to my heart is, I just said go. 
Just go. I'll give you what you need, but you got to go. We're not special. I'm sorry. Because if we're special, you know what that gives everybody else? A card that you don't have to do what we do. Ouch. Now, see, I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want to offend people. Because I'm not special. I am saved. And implied in my life is that this next verse. Let's read it. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. We'll put that up. You know it. You know this verse. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Amen? We agree with that, right? Nothing we did. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus or Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples, examples of his incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about. Here's what I want to get at. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can what? Do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. Planned for who? Us. Not the Pomps, not the Dudleys, not just your individual family. He planned it for us. And what did he plan? Feed the hungry. Give a drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, bring in the stranger, go to the nursing homes, the hospitals, visit the sick, go to the prison. Interesting, he never used, like I said, smoke, drink, swearing, watching TV. Sometimes we make of God of our own families even. Now I'm going to hit right at the core of this. Well, I'm so busy with my kids and my grandkids that I know I just don't have time for a lot of other things. And, and we feel like we're doing a good thing. And are you? You bet. You are. You're doing a good thing. But it's interesting he never mentioned that in Matthew 25. Right? He never mentioned those things. Yeah, but my lawn is immaculate. You should see it when the neighbors come over. Never mentioned that. Never mentioned how clean the house is. Those are all good things, too. Don't get me wrong. We dress right. We drive right. We look right. We smell right most of the time. But those aren't mentioned in Matthew 25. Someone once came up to me, and this was in a church, believe it or not. And I've probably shared this before, but he looked me in the eye, and he was a smug Supposedly Christian man, I don't know. I don't know his, well, I did know his heart because out of his mouth came the abundance of his heart. He looked at me and he said, so when are you going to stop adopting these kids? 
Now, the old man, Mr. Dudley, who was, I'm not really a fighter, but I can scrap if I have to. I thought, I'm going to punch you in the mouth, and then I'm going to ask forgiveness, not from you, but from God, after I pick you up. But I didn't do that. I stood there in my feeling like, and you know what the Holy Spirit did? Just spoke to my heart. And I looked at that guy in the eyes and I said, do you know when I'm going to stop adopting these kids? And he goes, no. I said, when you start. That's when I know it wasn't an answer from me. That was the Holy Spirit. I'm guessing somewhere in life's way, God had put his finger on that man's heart and said, I want you to adopt a child. And he said, but I don't have the money, but our house isn't big enough, but I'm too old, but, 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 but. And God probably came back to him again and again. So my life became a very strong conviction of what he had chosen not to do. Was he angry with me? No. You know who he was upset with? Himself. And I would guess that he probably doesn't drink, smoke, or chew, or date women who do. And he's probably a deacon on the deacon board at his church. And he cleans the church every third month once. Those are good things. But they're not one of the six things that God said we have to do. Are you getting stirred yet? Come on. You're getting awful quiet. How many of you have kids in, in this room? Anybody? Raise your hands high. Hold it up there like you're proud if you have children. Do you know that you are all well-equipped to adopt a child? Every one of you with your hands up. Every one of you. But I'm fill in the blank. Go ahead if you must. There's 300,000 kids. Excuse me. There's 150,000 children waiting right now in the foster care system in America to be adopted. 150,000 kids that are saying, please take me into your home. I need a mom. I need a dad. Please give me a family. Most of these kids now, I'm guessing, are deemed unadoptable. Isn't it? Over the age of six, if you're a minority over the age of six, you are called by the system unadoptable. What chance do you have? There are 300,000 evangelical churches in the United States of America. 300,000. There are twice as many churches in America as there are kids waiting to be adopted. Are you telling me the God of heaven who based his entire family on adoption has not told one person in every other church to adopt a kid? Come on. That's a crock of crap if you believe that. Right? Think about it. Some of these churches, Pastor Steve, are thousands of people. And yet these little precious kids who have been thrown away are waiting 
to just be held and loved. Play that little clip for me, would you please? Listen closely. They have a subtitled here too. Cartoon. Okay, no, we're I not steam come out of my ears. <laughs> yeah, I do like chess and I do not play chess. I kind of watched, and I tried to play it too. I've watched other people play chess, and I learned from them, watching them play. Why I like chess? Because a fun game, there's lots of moves that you can do. Yeah, I like playing card games. I like playing garbage. I like playing slapjack, solitaire. I do like to do puzzles. I do play an instrument. I play viola. And I just started playing viola this year. I'm still pretty new at it. What I like about music, I like the sounds of the music. It's pretty cool. Just make me feel good. I can go on and on about food. Let's hear it. We want to I like desserts. I like lots of cakes, tres leche. I like ice cream, milkshakes, and some fries for the side. Let's not get too distracted by food. You're going to make me start drooling. <laughs> what do I think makes a really good friend? Someone you can, you can count on and trust and that helps you and cares about you, does the right thing for you, even though you don't want to do it. If it's just the best thing to be able to do. Fun thing I like to do with my friends. Do lots of things. I like to play video games. I like to... There are lots of games outside. Tag, pranks. Not everyone likes music. Lots of people like music. But lots of people like music. I mean, if I have to take a guess, because like all the different types of music, I think sometimes it calms them down, soothes them, makes them feel good, upbeat, happy, relaxed. There's lots of reasons why lots of people like music. Have my friends describe me, they'll say, I'm kind, loving, caring, friendly, I show empathy, I'm just gonna say that I'm a good friend. I'm Kiani, I'm 10 years old, and this is my reel. The reason I wanted you to see that is because once you see the pictures, you're hooked, okay? Once you see the pictures, these are real kids. I gave you numbers to look at, right? I gave you numbers to, about the, how many kids are out there. Keone's real. He's a little 10-year-old boy. You know who he reminds me of? Mathis. The big words, I play the viola, you know? I show empathy to people. That was Mathis. He was always trying to stump his parents with the bigger words he could use. Look in that face and tell me that the God of heaven would not convict 150,000 people to say, I want a child. But you know what, America? We're too fat and sassy, even in our churches. Our pantries are full, right? We have all we need, and we don't want to be messy. 
in America. You have the skills in this church to shake this community upside down just through one thing, adoption. I'm just going to say it. I was 44 years old when we adopted our first child. 44. Do you tell me I didn't have some excuses, Dan? I tell you what. I had a lot of them, didn't I, honey? But you know, God's not willing to even stop there. Could you throw up that picture of that prison scene? There we were in Bismarck two weeks ago. And you can see Doug. Doug, wave your arm up. No, you can't. His head, he's on the drums over there. But then I looked at the picture and I thought, where's my bass player? He's usually standing just on my left up there. I thought, where's my bass player? And you can't do it on here, but I zoomed in on the picture on my phone, and I've got a big smile, and I'm looking over. Well, here's, here's Rod with his bass plugged in. He's sitting on the front row, which was filled with inmates, except for the last chair. And here's Rod sitting down, playing bass. And you know why? He picked out this great big Native American man that I know had decided, I ain't smiling for these people no matter what. I mean, and he was big dude, wasn't he? Rod knew he would either smile or kill him, one or the other. This could go either way, but Rod took a chance. And that guy was like this. He's fighting it. And then that little smirk came on his face. And that's the kind of guys. Now, I don't know. I'm kind of a redneck, and I'm a little more messy than Doug and Rod. I would say that. You know, just wouldn't you, Pastor Steve? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so if I had to choose two guys to drag with me to do prison ministry, I probably wouldn't have picked them first, okay? I'm going to look around for some riffraff in this place, some scoundrels, and you're going with me, okay? Are you with me? But I watch him loving on this guy by his action, and I watch Doug. I mean, you need to be proud of these guys. Hugging, shaking hands with every person in that prison. In the back row on this side, the second to back row, see that black guy sitting there? Next to him was another black guy that was just amazing. His name was Simon. He volunteered. He said to the warden and the, the activity director, he said, I want to come in and help these guys get set up. You want to set up their equipment? And there was one other guy, Stefan, wasn't it, Doug? Yeah, that was volunteered. So these two guys, but... Um, Simon was hanging on the fence outside as we're trying to get through the three layers of security. You got to go through three gates, barbed wire. He's out there screaming, hey, are you guys ready for me yet? Well, no, we're not even in yet, dude. But he was excited. So I get done. I did a little tribute to Mathis, our son, and I sang the song, the dance for him. All of a sudden, Simon jumps out of the aisle and man, he's, he's run. 
running up front. And he just throws his arms around me. And he said, I love you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming here. And he just held me. And as we continued to minister, and I told him once again, like I had told him before, I said, this room looks like my dining room table. Now, all of a sudden, it was in Jamestown, the last trip we took, I realized my connection. Because I asked Doug on the way out there, I said, how are they supposed to trust us? Why would they trust us? I mean, he doesn't even have a parking ticket. I at least have one. What do we have in common with these guys that could cause them to trust us? And I found out it's the love of Jesus. And I looked out and I said, this room looks like my kitchen table at night, or excuse me, my dining room table. I said, I see black guys. I see Native American guys. I have Mexican grandchildren, Hispanic grandchildren. I said, we even have a couple token white kids we brought in just so they wouldn't think we were racist. And they laughed. And I said, I love you guys. I said, I don't understand it, but it's the love of God. And I watched a Hispanic gang come in and sit in the back row. You can't see him. You can see one elbow there on the left. That whole row was a tough-looking bunch. And when I got done sharing, we, we, we talked and we sang for an hour and a half. And then I said, okay. I said, I'm just going to walk out in the middle. I said, if you want prayer, you come. We're going to pray together. Because I didn't want them to feel like they had to come somewhere. I said, I'm going to come right out with you. I walked out there, and they just began to walk up, and we prayed, and, and we held each other. And they said to me, Kent, I love you, man. Thank you. One by one by one. There was guys from Bemidji there. There was a guy from Clearbrook there. They weren't there for jaywalking. And they won't leave you. They just want to be loved. Just like Keone, that little 10-year-old boy. He's not perfect. He's a mess. They showed you the perfect side of him. He needs somebody to love him enough to say, yeah, I'll sacrifice. You know what? We give up a lot. There's times we want to go do something. We can't go do something because we got too many kids at home. We watch our friends our same age. They go to Florida for three months now. We freeze. <laughs> well, we don't if we stay in the house, right? Are we always happy about it? No, not at all. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when God says, you did this, you did this, and we go, Lord, we didn't even, it's not why we do it. We're not keeping tabs. We're not counting. We're not scoring. Rod, did you ever think you'd go and minister at prisons? 
No. The closest he ever got to a prison was driving by the one on Highway 10 in St. Cloud, right? But I've now talked to our, one of our associate pastors in Detroit Lakes at the Assembly of God. His brother's been in prison for 20-some years. He trusts us now because we go to prisons. Seriously. Matthew 5.14. Matthew 5.14 through 16. I'll close with this, maybe. You are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. Say it. I am the light of the world. So Jesus was saying, you, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You can try, but one way or the other, you can't be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the... You know what we did with this verse? We turned it into a Sunday school song. This little light of mine, I'm going to... That's cute, man. But it's a crock, <laughs> right? We can't let our light shine in church. I mean, there might be a few people here this morning that don't know Jesus as their Savior, but I mean, our light is not meant for in here so much as it is for where? Out there. It gives light unto all that are in the house. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Say it loud. Say it again. Good works. And then what? Glorify the Father which is in heaven. Not glorify you. Not say, oh, aren't you amazing? Not say, aren't you something else? But here's that applied works again. In Ephesians, Paul said, you are saved by grace, but you are called to do what? Good works. Jesus himself covers it now and says, let your light so shine before men that they can see your big church and they can see your Sunday school class and they can see your Wednesday night class and they can see your adult class and your singles class and they can see this and this and this and glorify the Father in heaven. Is that what he said? No. He said that they may see your good works. Are those good things? Yep, once again, don't lynch me and throw me out of here because those are good. But that's not ministering out there. That they may see your good works. I didn't know it, but the warden was sitting in the second or third row. Could you put that picture back up? Please see the dude on the left side up there, and he's got kind of a blue shirt on. I didn't realize it, but that was the warden. Sat through the whole time of ministry. I didn't know it when I walked down to pray with these guys. And now I'm down here, and here's the warden. I didn't know it. 
and they were coming. And I watched at the very end, all of the Hispanic guys, one by one, started filing down the aisle. And I thought, they're either going to tell me they love me or I'm about to get myself killed. And one by one, they put their arms around me. And I could tell the Spirit of Christ was not in that group. But I could tell that God had done something to them. Because one at a time, they held me and said, I love you, Kent. And I said, I love you too, man. Rod's love, Doug's love, my love, but it was the love of God that broke that group. And the warden said, so then he steps out and says, I'm the warden. I'm thinking, well, we just might get booted yet. And he said, you guys can come back to this prison anytime you want. Because he watched the men that he deals with every day that are hard and bitter. And he watched the love of God break them. That's the one thing that cannot be changed. The love of God. Keone needs a family. Good, you can give the number to whoever raises their hand right now. Now, I'm not kidding, young people or old people. I won't name Dan's name. Um, you have gifts and abilities. Yeah, but I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. I wanted to do a lot of stuff, too. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to flat up challenge you. Don't make me adopt my 12th kid. Because this old buzzard's getting tired. <laughs> and so is that young buzzard there too. You guys have abilities that you haven't even allowed to blow up. Because it's just God. It's just love. I mean, I have people walk up and go, why do you go into prisons? I don't know. I'd like to say, why don't you? Why don't you go? Now, I know the number one excuse is going to be, well, we're not all called to do the same thing. And I'll just say, well, that's a bunch of crap, too, because there's six things we can do. It's not complicated, right? Feed the hungry, give them a drink, clothe them, bring in the stranger, Go to the hospital when they're sick, nursing homes, go to prisons. That's what we're called to do. Nowhere in there did I see him point out one person and say, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. I like David Zock's way of thinking. Let's sit down and figure out how we can do some of all of it. Right? Do you know that if you have running water and electricity in your home, you are in the top 20% of the richest people in all the world? How many of you still poop outside in an out, outhouse every day? Anybody? Do you have to go pump the water in the old pump house? No. 
We are amongst the 20% of the richest people in the entire world. So don't tell me we don't have the funds to do it because we have money for caribou, right? Come on now. It's getting awful quiet in here, Pastor Steve. You're the warden here. Come on, help me. No, I'm just kidding. But I want to encourage you. When we get done at a prison and I leave and I look in the eyes of Rod and I look in the eyes of Doug, I see something that I never see when we leave a church when we've sang there. There's a joy. There's an excitement. There's a passion. And so now we're going to go back in December. They want us back. They're going to get us into Bismarck and Jamestown. We're going to go back at Christmas. I love ministering at Christmas because, man, you can talk about the greatest gift. And they're ready to receive it. Their hearts are hurting because they're in a prison. And yet I told these guys, I said, you know what? There are no second-class Christians in the family of God. You saved my wife when you told her that. Didn't even know it. She was seeking. And at a Bible study 20 years ago, she snuck in here scared, had been kicked out of churches in Bemidji. Man, you must have been a rebel. And Pastor Steve told the group there are no second-class Christians in the family of God. And that's what I said to those inmates. I said, gentlemen, what you did does not define who you are. Jesus will redefine you and make you something so amazing. We sang worship songs, and I watched men around the auditorium fall on their knees right, right where they were, just down. I watched others lift both hands in tears, and they were just so, I mean, their worship was coming from a place of knowing that even though they were a prisoner to the state of North Dakota, they were free. And I told them, I said, you're all flying first class tonight. There are no second class. There's no coach in God's kingdom. That you are loved by the Father. Do we have the love of God in us? We do. How many believe the days are drawing close? That the end is coming? Let that motivate you to do more and more and more. Not so you can do the works to earn your salvation, because that's not it, right? We're saved by grace through faith, nothing of our own. But once we receive that, we are called unto good works. Let's use those today. Amen? Pastor Steve, is there anything you'd like to say? Let's stand together. Thank you for having us here this morning. I say it for my wife. We do love you. We love you guys. And we appreciate your prayer and support. Let's take another step. The warden at Bismarck told me before we left, he said, I'm, I sit on the board of wardens in a tri-state area. 
He said, we want to see you guys in every prison. Amen? That's our heart right now. We're going to trust God for the financial because we don't want to get paid one penny from the prison. I want to be able to look the prisoners in the eye and say, we're not here because we're getting money. We're here because of God's love for you. We'll let God take care of taking care of us. That's his business. And so that's our desire right now. And they want our wives to come. There were seven women in the room, ladies that worked there. There was no threat. I told Doug, if anybody would have given us any trouble, we would have had about 30 inmates around us saying, you ain't touching them boys. Seriously. We had a brotherhood built greater than anything you can imagine on this earth. And it only took God an hour and a half to do it. And so if, you're, if the Holy Spirit's been prodding you today, just come on down. We'll pray together afterwards. I know you have prayer people that'll be up here. I'll pray with you, Steve, Chantel, whatever. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. First of all, for the gift. Because without Jesus first, then none of this is going to make sense. But Lord, we thank you that you call us and you don't call us to retirement. You call us to get involved. You call us to be your hands and feet. Lord, help us to feed the hungry, to give a drink to the thirsty, to bring in the stranger, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison and in the hospitals. God, give us your heart that we may fulfill your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great day, and uh, see you at Christmas. And remember, there is a meal, and yes. if you do would like prayer, please come forward. If you have any questions about anything, just come up.